Hello and welcome to Nerd Punch's Nerd Game of Thrones, episode 10 of season 3. Warning, there are spoilers for all A Song of Ice and Fire books. So, as we discuss this final episode, and maybe the final season, if the world ends as predicted, of Game of Thrones, I think I'd like to raise a question, which is the same question I raised last time. Will Sam become a wizard? And not the Sam on the podcast, but the Sam in the show. Because the Sam on the podcast is already a wizard. I've, yes, so. already I am a wizard, so clearly that's not even a question. Oh, is that what they're calling it these days? All right. Uh, it it, it kind of... Uh, did we talk about the wizard thing last podcast? Yeah, yeah but right, we kind of right. discarded it because you said it was too much talking about predictions. Right. I, I, feel, this, I feel the same way. But Just I feel because... like... It, definitely now we're doing now we're, now we're doing book prediction, which I guess is fine. But you know, I, I don't like hearing a lot of the different. Um, yeah, but it's you know, a, theories. It's something that was called out in the show. Oh, okay, right, right, okay. Like I don't actually think. All right, all right, right. It's reference. fine. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. All right, I was just gonna say in the books, I'm pretty sure they don't have anything about. Oh, John, I always wanted to be a wizard. A fat, fat wizard. <laughs> I always wanted to be a fat wizard. Because, by the way, we've talked about this before, how, like, in the final book, Sam's going to run across a, an ancient maester, and his name is going to be Sir George of Martin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have all these exciting pieces of wizardry for you, Sam. <laughs> there, there's that, uh, there's that... That onion article, remember, like, like where they said like that George R. R. Martin murdered his whole family and he's murdering people, and then there's like that thing that you sent me, the guy that comment, like, wait, so this guy killed off his characters, or did he actually murder people? <laughs> yes. Well, the important thing is he is going to kill off everybody. But that aside, because I think we're both in agreement, and Sam, yes, you back me up on this. You yes. were all sick of people saying. Oh, well, everybody dies in the end, right? Uh, well, I mean, not everyone dies. Well, we a know it's going to be... But it's not, it's not like... Yeah. It's I not mean... like, um, exactly, like a, like a Shakespearean play. Or right. like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know... I, I think of... Actually, what The Red Wedding reminded me of a little bit was... Um, if anyone's seen The Departed. Uh-huh. Um, you yeah. know, so spoilers for The Departed, but a lot of people get killed at the very end of The Departed. Like, one after another after another. Um, so, you know, the Red Wedding is a little bit like that. But overall, the, you know, the Song of Us and Firebooks are not really like that. It's not like people it's, are just, it's just dying it's constantly. Just, it's, it's just, just that, you know, to... characters die more than you see on, you know, in most, um, you know, genre fiction of this type. Unless right. it's like, you know, accepting horror. Because in horror, like, lots of people die. And this isn't horror. But, right. um... But right, otherwise, right. otherwise, you 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 know you usually have like main characters who are pretty safe, and maybe like one of them will die once in a while. Like if it's a book yeah. series, maybe you'll have like one or two major characters die every book, and not like the main main characters. You well, know, if there's like a hero. Right. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a big yeah. I, I think I think the big deal with the Game of Thrones, the big thing with the killing off characters, is that I think that he really um you um. 
it's that you form these relationships with the characters, and that's what you don't have in other in other in other things. And actually, I've been thinking about this: how to articulate, I think, why the uh, the, the the Ned Stark thing and and why Rob Stark thing, why those are so huge, is also the additional thing that George R. R. Martin does in both in both. Um, I'm talking about the show, the Baylor episode, and all the Reigns of Casimir episode, or the Red Wedding, or Ned Stark's beheading, is that you you get the perspective from the family. It's family members seeing family members getting killed. That's the big thing, because when 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 Sansa and Arya are watching it, you see like from their eyes in the book and also in the show, you see it, and it's them seeing their father getting killed. It's not, not just oh here's even a character or some lord getting killed who we know about. It's it, you, like you, you feel that and you feel like the, the family connection. And then in the Red Wedding, you know it's that whole thing too where where Catelyn sees sees her son get killed in front of her, and then she gets killed, and she talks about. You know, her whole family getting killed. So, so I think you're right about that, and I think that is a part of it, but I think there's another element that makes both Ned Stark's death and the, and the Red Wedding so impactful. A um, little bit different. In, in Ned Stark's case, he is basically the hero of, of the first book and the first season of the right, show. Right, right, right. Um, and he's like, he's the good guy, he's the protagonist. So when he dies, it's shocking because you're like, holy crap, like, what do we do now? Like, you know, the main character just got killed. Um, and the red and the red wedding is is almost kind of similar to that in the sense that, and I was I was reading you know because I read a bunch of uh, recaps and analyses of of the the last episode uh, the the reigns of Casimir and um, you know the last two episodes, um, and one of the points that came out that I thought was really interesting is that w- the red wedding was so impactful not because people loved the characters of Rob and Talisa and, and Catelyn. In fact, they're some of the, the less pop- popular major characters. But their deaths, along with the you know, the killing of the Stark army, basically end any hope that the Starks can win the war. Like right. the Stark cause is, is done, it's finished. Right. Right. The Lannisters win. I mean, you know, there are other powers out there. There's Stannis and there's like the Iron Islands and stuff, and we haven't seen anything from Dorne. But um but basically, the like the Lannisters pretty much win, and they're the bad guys. And it's like, yeah. and so it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, I mean, we do have a personal co- connection to those characters, but it's more, um, I saw, I forget who said this, I, I would, right. I would, you know, cite them, but I just can't remember who said it. It basically described the Red Wedding as the death of hope. Like, you, yeah. there is no more hope hmm. that the good guys yeah. will win or the bad guys will lose. Well, like, it's, you know, it's except, over. Except, it's except, except that, except that, <laughs> well, except, except yeah. that. Except that, you know, that's the whole thing with his books, that there are no good guys and bad guys. And it's actually, I think this speaks to the issue, which maybe we weren't intending on talking about this, but why I defend the, the fourth and fifth book, why I defend Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons. There were some problems with Dance of Dragons. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There, there were a few things. But yes. I, I, yes. I, I enjoyed them. And part of the thing is is that I think it, it does go a little deeper than, oh, something happened I didn't want to happen. It's it's also like a lot of people say, well, I understand this. Why are they building this? And I and what they're basically saying is I liked all this action and tension and emotion, and that's true. And it was great in the first three books, but he's I feel like he's getting some giving some time to breathe. And one of the things that happens that, that, that you see in the books is it's like there's this. It's these past two books have been very uncertain. That's the big thing, well, you know. After yeah, the starts are wait, done, it's when, very what uncertain. What do you mean uncertain? Like uncertain in what in what way at least westeros like like sort like, of i want i i, I want because yeah. i think you're on to something but i want i want you to explain yeah. what you mean by so calling a book I, uncertain i mean when like especially the way we got invested into the books it was really through the starks and seeing that and hoping for them and praying for all you know all that stuff and then 
And then that's also sort of the direction that everything's going in, at least in Westeros, for the most part. When that's done, I mean, that's even the name of the book, Feast for Crows. Like, you know, people picking up the pieces, it's not clear. And actually, I like that scattered nature because it actually opened up, like, the nucleus of it was really the Stark thing. And then it just, like, expanded, you know, into all these other stories. And I liked hearing these stories. I mean, it was always expanding a little bit. And you always were hearing about other people. But that's that's part of the thing. And, and, And especially, like... Especially Winds, Winds of Winter, what I liked in Winds of Winter was that when they went to Winterfell, you really got that sense, wow, this is a desolate, like, Starks are gone. Like, it's all just, psh, All yeah. right, but I think it's also important to think about the different powers that are happening. Because the powers that are doing anything change. Now, obviously, everyone has the specific plans that they're pursuing and the specific things that they're trying to achieve, but there are some very specific players that are moving things. And those movers affect everything else in magnitudes greater than anything else. For Such example, as... yeah. well, before Ned died, he was a part of it. His death was one of the big changes because he controlled so much and moved so much. Right. But after he died, there was a bit of a power vacuum in a lot of ways, and that's why the war happened. Now, af- now that here we are... I think it's better just to talk about where we are right now and what will happen. So here we are at the end of Season 3. Who are the big players? Stannis is technically a player. He has still a little bit of an army. He obviously has Melisandre behind him. You know, we know that obviously there is the implacable horror of the White Walkers or the Others or whatever you want to say from Beyond the Wall that's coming. There, you know, there is a little bit of the Mance Raider aspect. And we also have Tywin representing the Lannisters, who's basically trying to keep things on track. There's also Varys and maybe Illyrio, if they're still working together. They're doing something. Mm-hmm. And whether that something is about Daenerys or Aegon, unclear. Because we really don't know what those two are really up to. Because it could go either way. And then, of course, there's Littlefinger. And what is he trying to do? Also a little unclear. Obviously, part of that is just gaining power for himself and some, and being essentially the ruler of the uh, the Eyrie or Eyrie. Not, not yet, even. not yet in the show. No, but I mean, he's already setting it up. Even at the end of season three, he's trying to get into that position. Now, of course, then what happens? You know, spoilers. Obviously, you know, when Tywin dies, things kind of go a little out of control. But then they start to settle down when Cersei loses influence. Because she was part of the problem. And then it seems like that Jamie started becoming more competent. And of course, Kevin was doing pretty well. Obviously, at the end of Dance of Dragons, things get a little out of control again. But we don't really know what's going to happen after that. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of players that are not around. Obviously, Stannis is sort of out of the middle of nowhere and doesn't really have access to anything. He can't really do much because he's in the middle of winter. You know, now you're talking about the book. Now you're talking about the books. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he is somewhere near either Winterfell or Dreadfort. I forget exactly where they were. I think it's Winterfell. Uh, right? Winterfell, yeah, I think. It's near Winterfell. Because right. Ramsey did get to Winterfell. Right, right, with the Manderleys and everything. Right, okay. So, I think it's interesting to think about these positions of power and what's trying to, what's driving things. Because you're talking about the chaos. And I think part of this chaos comes, yeah, because of the power vacuum that, uh, that 
you know, the Starks lost. And then there's the rest of it. So what happens after Tywin dies? That's when the real power vacuum starts again. Yeah. Well, you know, it's an interesting question, I think, speaking of Tywin's death, because Varys, right? We know Varys is loyal to the Targaryens. We also know that Varys seems like he's trying to support stability in the realm for the most part. Um, and we're not actually sure, either in the book or in the show, which of those two priorities is more important to him, you know, to maintain stability or to restore the, the Targaryens to power. Um, it seems like it's more important to him to restore the Targaryens to power than to maintain stability in the realm, which is interesting. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I mean, he, he kind of goes both ways. I mean, you know, he tries to keep Ned Stark mm -hmm. in power in the, you know, in, in the, the beginning of the story because, and the reason that we know why he's trying to do that is that he feels like Daenerys is not in a position where she's ready to come over and, and conquer Westeros. And as long as she's not ready to do that, he doesn't want Westeros to descend into war because that'll just be a worse situation for everyone. Um, but as soon as Daenerys or Aegon is ready to, to invade Westeros, then he's perfectly willing to throw things into chaos, you know, to, um, to assassinate Kevin Lannister, right, at the end of Dance of Dragons. So the question is, to me, did Varys want Tyrion to kill Tywin, or did he just allow it to happen, but he wasn't happy about it? Because for what I recall from the book is that he kind of tries to encourage Tyrion not to do it, and Tyrion just goes ahead and does it anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure you know, what his, what he wants. Um, at that particular moment, it seems like, I think he doesn't want Tyrion to kill Tywin. I think he would actually be happy to kill Tywin a little bit later, but the time is not ripe yet. Yeah, I, I, think, so, I think it was one of the, yeah. I thought he, he ends sure. up running away. Doesn't he disappear after Tywin dies? Yeah, I well, he disappears, but it seems like he's just in hiding, considering he just shows up at the end of that dance. Yeah. I think he is maybe. I mean, it makes sense because obviously they were looking for him after Tywin was killed because Varys was implicated as helping him out, helping out Tyrion. Yeah. Um, but that, that actually brings us to an interesting scene in the show, which was entirely invented, which is the scene where Varys is giving diamonds, trying to bribe Shay to leave. Mm -hmm. Now, of course. Yes, and I actually, I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I wanted to go with it. Because the show brings in a new scene. It's not in the books, but it also sort of addresses this question of, like, where do Varys' loyalties really lie? You know, he says that he's actually trying to keep things more stable, that Tyrion can actually help the realm, and he wants, to, he wants Tyrion to be in a position to help the realm, um, you know, in that scene. Right. Well, I thought about it this way. If... Tyrion didn't send him, which I really don't think is the implication. I think, he, although I feel like some people interpreted it that way, to me it makes more sense that he was actually partially telling the truth and that he was trying to sort of be honest with her because he thought that would be the best way to convince her. Yeah, it, I, I think there's no way that Tyrion sent him. And I, I think there was some truth in what he was saying. Like, he was trying to get rid of her. And what reason would he have for getting rid of her other than the, the truth, which is what he told her, you know, like... 
she is a complication for Tyrion, and he actually wants Tyrion to be in, in a strong, a strong position. Right. So then it comes down to what they might be doing with the show, which is what is he going to do with, with Shay? Shay? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because here's the thing: we know what happens in the book, but if he, if but it's different because Shay is a different character. There, she's just more of a generic. Oh yes, I like her the sex with you. You know, <laughs> no, she's, there's there's a little more to her. You still have a little bit. Maybe you don't really really care about Shay, but Shay is at least like, uh, like, like you you ha- you feel Tyrion's feelings towards Shay. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and then, she, and then always, when she gets it's, killed, um, actually, yeah. it's it's a little different. Um, in in some ways, in some ways, I kind of like some of the things the book does better because in the book, yeah, I do too. She, you don't actually know for sure. If she actually cares about Tyrion or not, exactly. Right, that's, right? That's she could thing. be faking the whole thing, you know, and maybe she is just a prostitute, and you don't know. And you, you know, people probably have different opinions one way or the other. In the show, they make it explicit. Um, you know, she actually does care about Tyrion. She is in love with him. She wants to stay with him. She wants to run away with him. Um, Which is going to make a betrayal. So that makes her right? a better character on the show, but it makes her dynamic with Tyrion a little less bit less. It, it makes it less mysterious. Or yeah. less less ambiguous, but, which which isn't you know somewhat of a uh, you know a negative. Well, yeah. yeah, but think about the other side, you know, which is the betrayal. Assuming they're going to keep it in, because how could they not? Of some sort, would be a lot more significant. It, it seems like they're building also, up betrayal. Well, yes and no. Period? Yes and no, because because um you know the betrayal. I feel like on the show they're they're building up the betrayal, and it's it sort of makes her more sympathetic because yeah, we but, know why she be, like on the show she's going to betray him because she loved him. And he basically like didn't you know he wouldn't go along with her he wouldn't he wouldn't build a life with her yeah, like, but... in the books in the books again there's this ambiguity you don't know and that might be the reason she betrayed him or maybe it's because she never gave a fuck about him in the first place yeah. right and he never he never really knows and so that's he kind of wonders saying, yeah. about you know and it's and it's it's kind of a a cool ambiguity that they have um, which I miss, but like I said, it also on the show it makes Shay a better character because you get to see more of her. You get to get to know who she is instead of her being, um, you know, this this uh, enigma. That but I think, why why make her like why is that not an interesting character? In fact, I always thought that Shay was actually one of the most interesting characters because of that whole thing. That it's like this very sensitive, tender thing with with with. Uh, with Tyrion, and he doesn't know, and I think you could have had an interesting character, but it's really showing his love more so. The thing is, they show they show Shay as giving more love. It was all about Tyrion was giving all this love to Shay, and she was saying all these different things. And I think I think that could have been an interesting character. This ambiguous, uh, this ambiguous woman. It would have been a lot a lot stranger. Like it'd be, it, it's an like uncommon sort of character. But she's I, not. I think, she's not an interesting character in the same way that Melisandre is not an interesting character because like. You don't really know what's going on with her, right? And, so, so why? And that's, do you, it's mysterious, but it's not. Or so, so I mean, wrong it, it might it? even be interesting to you, but it doesn't make her a good character. There's nothing. There's not much to her because her what's what's her her real innermost deepest thoughts are secret. All right, but I think you guys are kind of missing what I think is a little bit more important here, which is Tyrion's arc, because yeah. I think in the show right. he's a lot, a lot more favorably portrayed he's a lot more good-hearted he's a lot he's he's not as complicated which means that it's an issue if he suddenly kills her he has to really there has to be a reason for that 
And yeah. I feel like a way to get to that point is to have a feeling of a real connection, of a real character. Because if that happens, then the betrayal will feel more significant, feel like a more of a personal attack to explain it. Because right now, if he just goes and kills her, just you know, if he catches her with her father, I feel like it's hard to imagine that he would be angry enough to kill her just by itself. Well, what, what heightens this anger anyway is is also just you know being like the whole the oh, whole but remember, trial. It's not, it's not yeah, it's not just that he she's sleeping with his father, which is actually kind of vague in the books, but I think it's pretty clear that's what's supposed to happen. But also that she testifies against him in the trial. Right, 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 right. So that has to be that must be something I'm thinking that Varys is going to make her do. Why would he make I, her do it? Because I feel like that will be a way to connect to where we are now, or at least Varys will say it to one of the Lannisters. Why would Why would Varys be behind that? Why does Varys want Tyrion to to be found guilty in the trial? How does that help Varys? Well, because I think the idea is that. He wants Tyrion to rely on him. So oh, he... Oh. I mean, this is just my sort of theory here, but I think it makes sense. And I also think it makes sense in the book, too, that Varys doesn't necessarily want him to just be around anymore because he wants him to be hooked, to hook up with Daenerys. I think at that point he sort of realizes, you know, there's no point in keeping him around here anymore. It's too dangerous, especially after Joffrey gets killed, you know, which wasn't something that Varys had planned. So after that happened, he might have been, this was too after soon. What, after what happened? Joffrey dies. Right. I think he probably would be thinking something like, this was too soon. And that's Things interesting. Things are getting out of control. Because it's, it's, it's Littlefinger. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, well, it's Littlefinger and the Tyrells. But yeah. Right. Basically everything that happens in Westeros that Varys was not behind and Varys is surprised by it because Littlefinger did it. Right. Well, it but, always seems like, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's interesting. That's That's kind of like the two, like, like enemy things because going on because like Littlefinger is doing something from a certain end and really trying to take over Westeros and it's like Varys is trying to bring you know the east everything from the east to 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 just to destroy. So actually, that's a good point because they're they're both doing these these large maneuvers, these big maneuvers. So I think that if by doing this stuff for Tyrion, he's trying to say, look, I'm the only one who cares about you here. The only so one. I disagree with you, Jeremy. All right. I don't think that that Varys was trying to isolate Tyrion to you know to marginalize him in order to make him an ally of Daenerys. I think that that just sort of worked out that way. Um, I think Varys would rather. I think Varys genuinely likes Tyrion, and yeah. and like genuinely wants him to to succeed. And and I don't probably, see that these are mutually exclusive though. Like maybe you're, maybe you're saying, Jeremy, that, that because he wants to send Tyrion off to to meet with with uh, Aegon or Daenerys. Yeah, right. I think he feels like at that point this is the safest place for Tyrion because it's too dangerous for him to stay in Westeros. That's my point. That after Joffrey gets killed, Tyrion's in danger. He doesn't have like before. He actually had like influence. He had leverage. He could do things. He could change things. And Varys could help influence him, but he could also help him out as well. But after Joffrey gets killed and he's accused of killing him, it's sort of like, well... You're saying even if he would have gotten acquitted, he still would have had no power right. or influence. Yeah, the shame of it, you know, the, the stain would be too much. And instead it's a sort of... And it's like, you know what? It's time. 
you know, Tyrion will, you know, his, he knows so much about all sorts of things, including dragons, more than probably most people alive. And considering that dragons wasn't something that we necessarily planned, because, you know, how could they plan? You know, I mean, you know that if they thought that those dragon eggs were going to hatch, they wouldn't have just given them to her. They would have tried to figure out how to hatch them. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. Somehow, and I, this is going to sound strange, but like that seems like for, for Varys to actually try to uh, manipulate the trial so that, so that Tyrion is found guilty, that seems like too manipulative even for Varys. Okay, I agree with you. I just think that's what's going to happen in the show. Okay. Like, I think, I think you're right in that I don't think that there's evidence to support the manipulation of the trial in the book. I think that Shay was clearly in the book. Not that I'm not saying that pushed that by the Varys Lannisters to do couldn't it. have done it, or that he would have the capacity to do it. I'm saying for Varys to to try to arrange for somebody that he's friends with that he likes to be found guilty in a trial is, you know, just that's like one step too far for me. I don't. It's, it's yeah, not well, consistent with no, my perception Sam, of his character. But, see, but Sam, remember, remember he that. freed, but remember he freed him from the jail, from jail. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's well, the thing. So yeah. maybe he wanted to accept it so he could actually get him out a secret way. No, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. But to me, it's just... Uh, I, and, and like I said, like I said, you know, it seems kind of silly to say, like, oh, Varys would not be that manipulative. manipulative. Like, obviously, Varys <laughs> is a very manipulative guy. But, um, but I, just, I just don't see him going that far. All right. um, you know, it's All just, right. that's just my, you know, my perception of his character. All right, well, let's talk about some of the other stuff that happened in this episode. Because I think okay. there's some strong parts and then there's some weak parts. And... I think we can all agree on some of the weak parts. I think there was too much entirely this season of Theon. We yeah. could have just cut it. First of all, if they had just cut out, remember when I told you like when they first come back to the castle and he sees, you know, the torture thing, that would have been something significant. Yes. Really well, you like, do mention that on every podcast that we do. Well, okay. Think about it this way. Now, as you may or may not remember in the book, what is sent to the Greyjoys is actually just flayed skin of his. Yeah, it's off his finger or something, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's different. Now, I do understand at this point how then they can say, well, he can't be an heir anymore, so screw him. You know, which does seem in character for, for you know, Papa Greyjoy, yeah. I suppose. But I feel like it would have been more interesting, in a sense, if we didn't see the scene of, of it happening to him. Right. You know, the question is, was it worth seeing the aftermath? Yeah, we kind of enjoyed the little pork sausage. Well, let, listen, thing. listen. If you want to talk about, like, there being too much of Theon getting tortured in this season, I will yes. not argue with you. However, I think that the Theon scene in this particular episode, the last episode, was yeah. one of the best ones. Uh, and yeah, that, yeah. that was definitely worth having in the show. And that just the scene with the pork sausage and the, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> that was it just was really, phenomenal. really good stuff. But do it you think phenomenal. that was too fast for him to change to become Reek? Don't, I mean, it feels... No, I, well, uh, I mean, the story, I mean, who knows what they'll, what they'll do next, but <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think also the scene where they really like, kind of do the castration kind of, that was, I think, kind of, not exactly a silly scene, it was just, like, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, really. over like, the top. It went, it, was, it was a little much. So I think, I think erasing that could have been good, but, but uh, you know. I also think that the Reek thing didn't have as much significance for non-book readers. Of course. 
So yeah. that's part of my problem with it. It just it didn't have that kind of resonance. And it's unfortunate because it was a lot more significant in the book, but it was later on. So I don't know. It, it's a little disappointing for me. All right. Do you want to talk about things that are disappointing in this episode or in the whole season? Well, let's just talk about this episode first. Okay. So what else? Let's, <laughs> oh, we're so what, Jewish. Because obviously <laughs> <Listen> we... <to> <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Uh, so what do we say? Right. Oh, um, uh, so disappointing. So so clearly, Benji and I obviously disagree with you on the Theon thing in this episode because we both loved that scene and you didn't like it. Um, what else? What else did you not like from this last episode? Okay. Did I mention so, things I didn't like too. Can we go around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna turn. <laughs> okay. Cool. So yeah. now, I mean, there are a couple of things. So another thing was in that last scene where John is rescued by Sam. You know, it's. It, I feel like it would have been more interesting if instead he just said, you're, you're home. If he could have said, you know, they're coming. Like, he's like, we know. And he's like, no, not them. The wildlings. I feel like that would have added some tension, which was good. It would be good because the, I don't know why they felt like they had to end it on such a really happy note. Besides, like in the book, of course, they've already attacked on the other side of the wall. So I feel like... It's a little. It, so John, with you know the non-book reader that I watched with, he was making the point that it seemed like it was sort of a plot convenience for him not to warn them in time to make it so that they could actually, you know, do real damage to Castle Black. Now, of course, okay. that's a, part, that, I mean, I I understand why he thought that, but I mean, it seems obvious that he that John is going to warn them ahead of time like well he didn't in this season i i guess i don't know I, but, I think that that would have been a good like cliffhanger thing that's all i'm saying it yeah but for for him to not warn them would just be like cheesy tv melodrama like well, he could have warned them but he was unconscious so he didn't have the opportunity and then they attacked and if only yeah, exactly. he had woken up and told them something but that's that's really cheap you know but he hasn't warned them but he's going to well, I hope so. Now, of course, I also did not care for the crowd surfing at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't care Actually, for... I agree with I you. And, and you know what? Like, I, 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 I don't mean to be like a PC cop, but man, like, it's like she's this like great white hope for all the brown people. Yeah. You know You're not what the I mean? only one to have noticed that either. Of course not. It's just like, oh, mother, misa, 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 misa. You know? Like, Whitey. 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 Yeah, exactly. The white lady come to save us all. You know? Like, right. Well, like, I mean. And they even had Lion yeah. King's uh, music afterwards. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was awesome. But they did. They had fucking uh, Lion King. That's right. They did. Uh, the yeah, circle well, it really it ended really, with the circle I mean, of life <laughs> it, was, it was really more celtic than african but i see your point <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah there's a well, and then we got a little side screen of elton john playing you know it's like like mighty whitey or something like that there's some there's some name for it on tv tropes where you have like a white person that goes into like you know travels into the land of the colored people and becomes their leader avatar yeah. also it's called uh, All Those Movies. I mean, there's been a thousand movies like that. Um, you know, it right. goes all the way back to, like, the, Tarzan. The only, even earlier the only, than Tarzan, I think. Well, Mighty but, Whitey only, is definitely a thing, but, I mean, I've usually heard it in terms of, you know, the White Guilt movie. 
Well, okay. I, I think I think that it's it's interesting because, um, like, I want to like I, I want to point it out and blame it as that, but in some sense, that's what's in the books. It that's is unfortunately. So there's so not like, there wasn't too much that they could have done about that. However, I just feel like I didn't care for the ending. And really, when they introduced Balin, I really thought maybe they will kill kill him off, like we were saying. I think right. that would have been a better way, especially if they cut, like, if they had that music in the background, and then you cut to Balin, like, you know, cutting off a bridge. And maybe because it, it's kind of unclear exactly how he dies, you can just see him walking, and then, you know, you know, there's some kind of something happens, and then he's off, you know, and that would be it, or something like that. I feel like that would have been interesting, but I just felt like if you'd done like a mix like that, it could have been a little bit more interesting. I like the idea of what the episode was doing is first showing, well, you know, these people are still going on and they're not all dead and they're not all terrible and there's some triumph, which is fine. But I also feel like it wasn't, it didn't make me as interested to see what happens next by the last scene. And I, have I feel a question. like they could have done a better job with that. Why, why were, I, I was about to call her Aisha Greyjoy, but of course in the show her name is Yara. Yara. Uh, why? Why was Yara in the same place oh. as as her father, Balon? Like, isn't yeah. isn't Balon supposed to be somewhere in the Iron Islands, and yes. and Yara is supposed to be like in some strongholds in the north? Deepwood yes. I think She's they're not in the same place. No, but they are here. So it seems like they somehow they be... magically ended up being in the same place. Well, but she never really left much in the first place. You know, she's been gone for more like more than a season, so. <laughs> For basically the whole season, we haven't seen either one of them. So she could have been anywhere and then come back. Simple. That's not like so crazy because we haven't seen anything. From them. I mean, it's not crazy for them to for them to have traveled because we haven't seen them in a long time. But I'm just right. saying, like, wasn't she wasn't she like in charge of some? You know, they conquered uh, like Torrance Square or something like that. Yeah, but that wasn't indicated in the show at all. She was just going to be part of one of the raiding parties. Well, it was clearly indicated that um, that there the Iron Islanders are still in the north because that was the whole point. Yeah. Ramsay Bolton was telling him to get the hell out of the North. Right, well, he was lying about his her, you know, his sister. We already know that. Who was lying about whose Ramsey. sister? Ramsay. He just said, your sister. He was just lying. But when? When did he mention... He uh, said it several times. Like, we're going... It's like, your sister sent me. We're going to your sister. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. That's, so, uh, yeah. Maybe that's why you're getting okay. confused, because of his lies. Whereas in the book... He wasn't lying, because he didn't say that. No, but in the, what I'm saying is there are there are clearly lots of Iron Islanders in the north. Well, of course, holding we territory, knew about that. and she's supposed to be one of them. She's supposed to be with them. She's not supposed to be like back, you know, on on home base. You True, know. but she does go back anyway. Okay, the okay. Moot. What, what was stupid about that part was the fact that she's like, and now I'm gonna find my baby brother. I think that what they're doing, although I don't know, I feel like they might be streamlining out a lot of the Kingsmoot stuff. Because, you know, she does come back for that and then leaves again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they do have to have, they still have to have the Kingsmoot. That's what I was saying. Balon has to get killed and Euron has to take over the Greyjoys. But maybe they'll do that while she's not there. Yeah, so she might not what, be there. That's what that's what I'm thinking. And instead of having her leave and then come back and then leave again, they just have her leave once. Now, 
I think that's why they did it like that. That's my guess, anyway. I mean, I mean is, is that right. true that... It's I think like, you're right, but it's also going to be kind of strange that she's not there. Well, maybe there'll be some, maybe she'll hear about it in a letter and want to go back, but you know, have to make a decision: Do I go to try to rescue Theon, or go back for the king's mood and I, you know lose it when she hears her father's death? I, I feel will, like maybe something can happen with that and give her a little bit of you know pathos. You know what I mean? I, I feel I, like I feel like I, you could have something. There. It's it, obviously it would be really cool to see like uh, Asha just like fuck up Ramsay. That would be a, that would be a cool scene, like a standoff. And actually, that could, I guess, happen in the books. Well, um, we don't really know what's going to happen with that. Well, yeah, that's like way, way in the future. I mean, both of them are still around at the end of the books. Right. And Stannis seems to be saying that he's going to kill, you know, Yarasha. But uh, we really don't know what's going to happen. There's really no real sense about what's going to happen. Of course, the funny thing is that Ramsay always seemed much older to me in the book. Than in the show, but this yeah. actually does kind of make sense. It's it's fine. He's a little different. I mean, in the in the books, in the books, he's more of like a big, a formidable guy as well, and he's like this hunter, and like right. he's just this really like he is crazy, but he, but he's also more he's also into like some weird sexual stuff that like they don't ever really explain what it is, but yeah. it's horrible. Well, um, some of it they do. And no, I'm saying on the show they don't they didn't really get into that at all. Well, a little so bit, except for they except do for a little bit. <laughs> Is that the way he was acting towards towards Theon? I mean, I think it's a fine change. I mean, that's the thing. I think the actor is fine for it. I, I think. Oh, I think no, he's, he's good. good. He's good. I think he's, he's, good, I, sure. I think he's doing a, a good job. He's more of like a creepy teenager guy, you know. But he, but he's like, he's he's clearly having a great time with the role too. <laughs> uh, you must think I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a savage. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But, I mean, he's supposed to be ugly, obviously. But, as you know, you can't have any ugly people on TV, so, you know, wouldn't be fair. All right. Um, What else? Anything else that you didn't like from this last episode, Jeremy? We'll get to Benji in here. I mean, there may have been, like, a few minor things here and there. Like, I thought the scene with Melisandre and Stannis deciding to go up north was a little rushed, and I'm not sure why they did it before... Joffrey and Balin died. Yeah. I felt like that was a little bit too soon, I guess. And the sort of like, why is he, he's like, well, Rob was just killed by the phrase, sounds like your magic worked, honey. I mean, come on. The whole point was that like, the first, when Rob died, he's like, well, that's not really proof enough because, you know, he was fighting. But when Balin dies out in the middle of nowhere, and then it's like, hmm... Well, one left, I mean, one left, and he's the most protective of all of them. If he dies, then definitely it just means something. And Davos is like, Nuh-uh, shut up, nuh-uh. And then, of course, when Joffrey does die, then Davos is like, well, crap. I gotta take this kid out of here. Come on, Erdrick, or whatever his name was. He's like, my dad was the king. I've got a beard. He had a beard. I like women. I know, I know, I know. Come on, my lord. Wait, 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 who's the other, who's the other king who, who, uh, Melisandre doesn't kill? What do you mean, doesn't kill? Is it just Stannis? Stannis is like, is Stannis the last one left? If you don't count Daenerys, Aegon, or the king beyond the wall. No, because, but I'm saying Melisandre's victims. Well, yeah, all, it's all the so-called usurpers. 
the people who don't deserve yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's this thing called the War of the Five Kings, but there were never actually five kings at the same time. <laughs> right. Well, right. That's true. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a misnomer. Well, don't forget it's because of all the different kingdoms, and that's why it gets kind of confusing, because... Because, you know, like, so many... Renly... I think Renly was one of the five kings, right? Yeah, so that's... Except was... that when Renly was the... Be, before... Like, Renly gets killed before Balon Greyjoy no. declares himself a king or something like You're, that. Like, they're, no, never, they're not actually... Uh, sorry. Is that not right? Disagree. No, those were the five kings. Renly, Stannis, Joffrey, Rob, and Ballinger Greyjoy were all kings. Obviously, two of them were saying that they were the Iron Throne kings. Rob Stark says, I'm just king of the north. But, Balon said, oh, I'm king yeah. of the Iron Islands. But Renly, Renly and Balon had very little overlap in terms of the period when they had declared themselves kings. No, it was extremely close because it happened right after Robert died. Yeah. So I would actually say there was almost exclusively overlap. No, because Balon, Balon does not declare himself king until um, book until two. Until later, until book two. But that's right after Robert dies. No, it's not right after Robert. All right, I'll, okay. I will Robert say Rob like way through the first book. Rob does come first. That is true, but not Renly. Renly doesn't really start doing it until the beginning of book two. Well, in any case, Renly yeah. dies pretty quick. So true. There aren't there aren't really five kings for all that long. We should. Um, that we is should, true. We, we should we should move on because we're heading on, uh, up into an hour right now. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Not quite, but yeah. All right, so Sam, then, do you want to go or should I go? Okay. Why don't you right. talk I mean, about? Go ahead. I, I wanted to. I think I said the main things. I mean, there was there was the Asha or Yara going off with that yeah, music, the and, Shara, and there's Shara. and there was the Daenerys thing with the music. But I mean, I I really think that like that whole thing, like like it yeah, it does it 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 does bother me not. Not because like it doesn't make sense with the story or whatever, but it it is kind. Of, once again, it is resting on those stereotypes. And even though I don't want to be the biggest PC cop in the world, it's like it's just like also like the image. And then I was thinking in the book, like I don't think George R. R. Martin actually is making any sort of racist comment. I think he's actually trying to reflect history and like different things that have happened. Um, well, he also but, says like that there are different races in the in the group, but he does you know it's. It's easy to get into that position, though, because, you know, there aren't really, other than Dorne, everyone's kind of white in Westeros. Right. And the they're Dorans, in the... you know. Yeah, and I have a feeling that when they cast the Dornish, they're also going to be kind of white. They better not be. I mean, I, I hope not, but it's, well, <laughs> I don't know. Do you consider people from Spain white? Well, they are. I mean, the, they're like... supposed to be, like, remember, there are, like, three different kinds of Dorns. There's the sandy and the salty and the other one that I forget the name uh, of. Stony, I think. Is that I right? Forgot about, I forgot about that. Well, so. I was just rereading the whole you know, third book, and there's like a whole part that comes before any of this in the show that they just cut out, and I guess they're going to have it later, which is when they all come. The Dorns all come way bef before Tyrion gets married. Um, oh. Before, and that's all before the Red Wedding, too? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's weird, right? The Dornish come before the Red Wedding? I know, right? I guess they do. But it doesn't really matter, because the truth is they don't do anything right. at all. What's the reason they come? What, what do they say their reason is? Well, because the Tyrells are there. 
and because he wants justice, essentially. What, what does the, Ty- the Tyrells have to do with anything? They're just sending a group, you know. They're they're asserting, you know, that they are a power in the Seven Kingdoms and they want representation. Yeah, now that sort of Joffrey and Marjorie are going to get married and things have gotten settled down, you know, they kind of want to sort of say, look, we're, we're, we want if you want us to help you out, Lannisters... We want a little bit of something in return. Because remember, the Martells are very closely allied with the Targaryens. Right. Yes. So and basically, during Tyrells. the entirety of Robert's reign, they've been kind oh, of sitting out. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, because yep. they, you know, they're basically they accepted that Robert won the war, but they're like, you know, they're still kind of loyalists to to the Targaryens, and they they don't want to really draw too much attention to themselves. Right. But right. now. Now that, like, the Tyrells are making a move and the Tyrells are their big rivals, now they're coming out and saying, hey, you know, we're still important in the Seven Kingdoms. You know, we're one of the major provinces and one of the major families. And, like, you know, we, we're going to get what's ours, including right, yeah. justice, right? Because yeah. part of the reason they backed off was because, like, um, remember, the justice that they want is because it was a Martell that was married to Aegon, um, Eris, I mean, not Aegon. Yeah. There was, there was, it was a Martell who was married to Eris and who was murdered by, um, by right, the mountain. Right, and, right. Her, and that's the whole thing. Children he can't, were murdered he by can't the just come back. And that's the justice yeah. that they want. They want justice against the mountain. He can't come during Robert's reign because Robert's going to be like, what are you talking about? But Robert, like, like, we know like, Robert hated the Targaryens, yeah. right? He hated the Targaryens more than anything. So there's no right. way that he was going to give them any kind of justice, even if yeah. he wasn't a big fan of, he hated, um, you he know, hated Gregor. a specific Targaryen. He hated that's, all Targaryens. No, that's come on. Let's no, be honest it's, here. It's, it's, it's he hated very Rhaegar. Clearly established in both the book and in the show that Robert hated all Targaryens. Yeah, but did he hate them really before Rhaegar stole his uh, woman? It doesn't matter. I think it does matter. I mean, the answer is no, but it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> all right, fine. But okay, so there was salty, sandy, and stony. Like you said, and they all have different looks. You know, the the salty ones are the ones who are basically, uh, you know, more roinish. I think I guess is the word, which are lithe, olive-skinned, black hair. The sandy ones are the ones who are in the deserts, are even darker, and then the stony ones are the one who have a little bit of andal blood in them, so they look more blonde or brown-haired. They can be kind of freckled. They look closer to the other west of Rossi. Rossi. But, but are, are, are this the sandy ones who, who run it, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because probably their bloodline goes further back, and maybe it's more the bloodline is more pure, so to speak. Um, yeah, the salty ones are the Martells, anyway. So The salty ones are the Martells, or the, yeah. the sandy ones? No, salty. Oh, I thought the, the sandy ones are the darkest. Okay. And they're, like, yes. the way they're described is clearly, like, sort of Mediterranean, I guess we would say, right? Yeah, it's yes. like a mixture between Spain and Mediterranean. Like the only reason I think, actually, actually, the only reason we say Spain... Spain or, or, you know, well, Greek well, or something well, like well, that, well, right? Do you think I'm right about this, that actually the only reason they say, like, they say Spain, we say Spain maybe is just because that's because it kind of represents Europe, and we think of that's the only place in Europe with a darker skin thing, but... Or Greece. Well, but... Right. No, but that's true. It's or it might be Italians. It might even like Sicilians. No, 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 Benji. It's not just the darker skin. It's also the fact that Spain for a long time was occupied by Muslims instead of Christians. Mm-hmm. So they have like a, you know, like their whole culture was different. And their, uh, you know, and, and also their, their genetics or whatever. But like mainly it was that, um, you know, they were sort of like a whole 
a little bit different from everybody else in Europe, um, you know, until eventually, um, you know, who is it, Ferdinand and Isabel, like, kicked out the rest, you know, the Muslims and made it a Christian province. But um, but the point is they were, uh, they're like, they're just a little bit different from everybody else. And um, that's sort of like Dorne. Dorne is a little bit different from everybody else in, in the Seven Kingdoms. They have this Roynish influence, kind of like Spain has this um, this Muslim influence. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that does that, that does address it. Like, like, do you? Th- I, I would be hard pressed to think that George R. R. Martin's actually making a message that white people are actually the ones capable of uh, of saving people or whatever. But I think, but, I think that was accidental. I think he kind of yeah. slipped into this this trope. Um, and, and like, he wasn't trying to do that, but it just sort of happened and now he's stuck with it. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, yeah, because he is saving, like he's going to the other place where everyone gives slaves and all that. And you could have the whole thing where like, because it does does reflect real life in a certain sense of just what different traditions were going on at the time in different places. But the fact that she's like saving them, you know, that's her. Well, the story doesn't end here. You know, she's going to go conquer Marine mm-hmm. and actually try to rule Marine and kind of botch it a little bit. Like, not do a really a good job. A little bit? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so I'm understating the case. <laughs> well, she, she's she helped by the. She kind of screws it up pretty badly. Going against her, too. Um, and so, so it kind of demonstrates, <laughs> like, like, she's not like the white person who, like, comes in and, and conquers the brown people and rules them and is the benevolent leader who leads them to you know the path of righteousness or whatever she she kind of fucks it up and sure. um sure. and and like I, that's also one of the best things about her character is that like she tries to be a good ruler and she kind of doesn't she can't do it right you know she it, it she has these setbacks you know where like her yeah her hero's journey or you know whatever like the path of destiny that's laid out before her kind of gets derailed a little bit um it's true it's true which is yeah, which cause... i think is awesome um, and it also shows it, it's that's where he finally started like fighting against this little like you know a white person you know leads the brown people kind of stereotype because I think where it's going is that she's going to decide to get the hell out of Marine, leave Marine to the Marines, and go where she really should go, which is Westeros, which is yeah. where she belongs, right? And that's the whole right. thing. That's interesting because she always has to pull back to sort of reclaim it all, you know. So it's kind of like her fighting herself, so to speak, because she did think for a little bit that she's part of like the other people, or whatever. But she, but she's and, not. And, and her, <laughs> that's like that's like a racial message. Well, no, no, no she is because she's like totally Dothraki, right? Like she's he's she's fully adopted into the Dothraki culture, right? I think yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah, but, it's hard but to it, say so. it changes a little bit as she. I, I think Dothraki is the, is the thing she she embraced the most, but I think that. Uh, that she, but I, but she does absorb other things. Actually, no, you're right. She keeps she keeps like her kalasar and all that. Like like she's very attached to them. Like she takes it. To, it's like her own personal religion thing going on, you know. At least mm-hmm. custom wise, it's like the customs she keep. She keeps. She's culturally Dothraki, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to religiously Dothraki. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on for a second here past the unfortunate racism and let's move in to some unfortunate racism so yes, yes speaking, racism 
<laughs> now, I think that I would like to ask Sam about what his weak parts were. Okay. In this episode? Think? Yeah. So there was a conversation between Roose Bolton and Walder Frey. Oh, I forgot to That was this. like a little bit too much like, ha, 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 we are the villains. Let us, you know, exposit a little bit on how villainous we are. Ha, ha, ha. You know, right. that was, it was like, I mean, it was kind of fun to watch, but it was a little bit too much. And I, you know, and I, I love both the actors, you know, the actor who plays Roose Bolton and the one who plays Walder Frey. They are but, pretty great. Um, but like that, that scene was just, you know, we didn't, we didn't need to see that. Like, really, it, it didn't add too much at all to the story. Um, another thing I didn't like was when Bran told the story of the rat cook and how, you know, he violated hospitality and that's why he was cursed and all of that. Um, that was cool, except that they should have had that happen before the Red Wedding. Because, like... Ooh, I think that's a good one. <laughs> because, because when the Red Wedding happened, like, it was horrifying... But we didn't quite understand the whole concept of hospitality and, and, and this violation that Walder Frey was committing. And now afterwards, Bran is telling the story that explains like, oh, you know, hospitality is like more important than anything. That's like kinslaying, like hospitality and but, kinslaying. Those are the but two. Here's, here's the thing that would have over that would have foreshadowed what was going to happen. Yeah, but it would have been good if they had foreshadowed it. You know? and, right, and it would have been much more yeah. impactful. Like there was a whole scene with the bread and the salt, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's nice, bread and salt." But like, what the hell is that? Nobody knows what it means because no, I'm gonna have to hospitality hasn't really been explained to us. Yeah, I have to agree with Benji. I think it would have been a little too much. Too, too much, much foreshadowing. Foreshadow? Yeah, it would have like, been yeah. predictable. Yes, I think. Yeah, that... or, or at least would have lessened the impact because some people would have thought about it in the back of their minds. Uh, you know, there's something here. No, but that's but the, the whole point. It no, wouldn't it's have not been. It wouldn't have no, been. The, the Red Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. If if he had told that story beforehand and explained how hospitality is so important, then when people had gone to the, you know, when they went to the Red Wedding and they did the thing with the bread and the salt, everyone would have been relieved because they would have said, "Oh, well, they did the bread and the salt, and they, you know, they yeah, that's the hospitality you, ritual, you, and now they they're safe, you know." Yeah, no, Instead I don't think that there's. Like, no, no, no. Wait, 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 I don't think get... there's any way they could have played that yeah. and not seem yeah, like the, the other shoe was going to drop. Because if they well, had done it and waited episode. for they him didn't... to say something, but it's another it character seem... saying it, Sam. That's the whole thing. When another character's it's, foreshadowing it's, about it, then, then it's right not going to make. I'm not saying they should have done it in the the first episode before the red wedding, but if they had gotten that story, because in the books the story is told much earlier, right? I want to say much earlier. Like maybe it's even in book one. The Rat King. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, because you're saying earlier in the season. Okay, that that could possibly work. It was earlier in the in the season. It should have been like a little while back, so we could have had this concept of like, what is hospitality? What does it mean to violate it? What kind of horrible curse or or you know just just stigma is associated with with violating hospitality beforehand, not afterwards? Because afterwards, it's like, well, the Red Wedding already happened. It was already horrifying. It can't be like more horrifying in retrospect than it already was when we watched it the first time. You know? Uh, okay. All right. Fine. So let's move on for a second. Okay. Was so that, this? That's 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 uh. Those were a couple of things that I didn't like. I agree with you guys. Um, the Danny crowd surfing thing was, you know, whatever. It was a bit much. Yeah. If, if they just had a couple of guys pick her up on their shoulders, that probably would have been fine. But I don't know. The crowd surfing just looked like a a music video from the yeah. 90s. It totally was. <laughs> it totally like it was like 
Like, it was yeah. fine because it was still well done for what it was. You know what I mean? Like, it was still a well-done scene. It still was kind of emotionally evocative, but it was also just, like, it didn't need you done. Like, I mean, listen, that, that, that tends to happen. Nothing's perfect. Um, and, and, you know, there are points in the show that where they get to kind of some of the, not cheesy because they're, they're good at what they do, but some of the soap opera and some certain trope, trope things, you know, I think you're right about the Roose Bolton Frey thing, the ha ha ha, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, you know, they're also like, like the other thing is the, the, the show is not as, you know, is not as grotesque for the most part as, as the book in a lot of ways, even though they go to certain lengths yeah. to the show. But but you know like 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 the show is a little more forgiving. So like there there are elements of it where they make it more of a thing. You, you know where they where they where they make things more like a soap opera or something you want to see on TV. You know they 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 do do that. They do modify it. So um, you know I think that um, I think that like it's uh, I don't know. I, I so so I think that just happens. So I don't really fault them for it. I just didn't really. I, I didn't really like the scene so much for that reason, just because I actually kept thinking of the whole black white thing. That's the re- that's the real main thing. I'll All right, well let's move on. We've, we've actually, no, hold on. on. I've got I've got two more things that I didn't like about this episode, and one of them actually kind of leads into that black white thing. Because oh, um, okay, right. one of the things I didn't like, I agree with you about the stuff with Stannis and and um, uh, what's his name being rushed, Stannis and Melisander and and uh, Sir Davos. Um, but another thing I didn't like is Tyrion. Um, like Benji already mentioned, Tyrion being sort of whitewashed a little bit on the show compared to the book. Yeah, I said you know, that also. And, and like one of the ways that they whitewashed him, I mean, for one thing, you know, they never had that thing where he kills the singer. Remember that? I do, because I yes. just reread the book. Yeah, so, so there's a thing where he murders a singer for writing an unflattering song about him in the book. And in the show, they don't do that because I guess it would well, be like a little bit Tyrion, too. Wait, Tyrion, no, that wasn't why. It was because he was really hitting on Shay. And she seemed to be kind of falling for it. Uh yeah, there was that was also true. I you've read the books more recently than I did. But anyway, you, that's what it was. There's there's other things that Tyrion does that are kind of brutal. You know, he 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 has tries no, but see, you're or, getting or whatever. There's more to um, there's that story in this though. episode where he he actually objects to the red wedding, and you know he's like, "What? How could you do that?" And in the book, I really don't remember him objecting to it in the same way i kind of feel yeah. like he basically just kind of shrugged and said well he got was he what he deserved and you know it's good for us right well yeah, yeah but what yeah, he did yeah. he said about sons it was the same thing which is you you know you really expect her to you know be so happy after well, that that's her. that that is that's basically exactly like happened in the books but i'm just saying like I, i'm not happy about the way that they kind of took some of the moral ambiguity away from Tyrion. And some of the the bad things that he does, well, and he, the show, okay. even in the show, he doesn't have moral ambiguity. He's yeah. just a good guy in the show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that, exactly. that's what a lot of it is. Well, they could have. The thing is, the way the singer thing worked actually worked as sort of a going down a darker path because he basically tries to make the singer stop. He tries to bribe him essentially, and the singer basically makes it too difficult and is asking too much. So. He get you know he, he has him killed. He basically tries he you know Bronn like immediately offers like yeah I'll kill him. And at first Tyrion tries to say yeah, listen I, we could I'll figure something out, but he you know he doesn't. So it's just one of those things where you could be showing well sometimes even people who are decent are victim you know can just fall victim to circumstances right in a certain sense. right. But even even back 
back in the second book or the second season of the show or whatever, like there are things that Tyrion does that are kind of ruthless. And, uh-huh. you know, we, we still kind of look at him as a hero because he has the, the good grace to feel bad about it, right? <laughs> but, he, but he does things that are kind of ruthless. And on the show, it, it, you don't really get that so much. So that's disappointing for me. And 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 that kind of goes along with his reaction to the Red Wedding, where he's horrified by the Red Wedding on the show, you know. And he's like the right. one Lannister who thinks, like, we shouldn't have done that. But right, well, in the book, in the book it, it, you know, he wasn't. He, let's stop complaining yeah. for a little while here. Well, let's talk <laughs> about some complaining. Stuff. All right, well. Uh, I told you, now. we're Jews. <laughs> and I didn't like how they did this in the specific instance. All right, Please. So was this... Hodor's finest hour. That's pretty good. And I mean that literally, finest hour. Because he had the Hodor down the well, he had the, you know, when Sam says, of course I've heard of Hodor, and you know, mm-hmm. Hodor, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that the guy who plays him is doing a pretty good job. I yeah, think, I think it's, it's, it's a close match between this episode and the one where you get to see him naked and you see his little Hodor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's little Hodor. You know that that was a prosthetic, actually. Huh? That was a prosthetic. Was it really? Yeah, because they made it gigantic. Yes, they did. I actually don't even remember it being gigantic. It was I I remember being slightly disappointed because it it was supposed to be gigantic, and it didn't look gigantic to me. But it's been a while since I watched it. Okay. This has been a couple of years, so maybe I'm remembering wrong. But I just just remember on the book the way they described it as being like, you know, because isn't that when isn't that when Osha says, "Oh, he must be part giant, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah and he yeah. does it. In the, she does it in the show also. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just didn't remember it being like quite. <laughs> you were that, you were dissatisfied the... with the length of his cock, is what you're saying. <laughs> I <laughs> guess so. Sam. That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, Sam. Well done. All right, so let's move on here. I think that there are things that I did like a lot. I thought the scene with all the Lannister stuff was very well done. You know, where Joffrey's like, my father was the one who did everything while you were hiding a little baby. Like, <laughs> and then, of course, he had that look on his face like, okay, don't back down. Don't back down. Don't back down. It's my... time for you to take a nap. The king. I don't need to take a nap. <laughs> the king so would like a lollipop. I agree with you. I just have my my issue with it is that um, they're building up this conflict between um, Joffrey and Tywin, and all the show watchers who haven't read the books are like, "Oh man, this is going to be awesome! Joffrey and Tywin—they're going to go head to head. Somebody's going to get killed." But like us book readers know that like that's not actually going to go anywhere. You know, it's, it's going to build up to nothing because Joffrey's going to get killed, and that's that's the end of it. So yeah. I kind of feel like. You know, this is it's sort of like this false tension that they're building because it isn't going to go anywhere. I don't think they it's might false. they might make it go somewhere. Um, but um, yeah. Oh, you know what seems really good? The I think the first one was really good. Like it was kind of disturbing how they brought him out with the wolf's head and everything like that. Like, oh because, yeah. Because yeah. you see, because part of it is that you see this whole scene that's horrific, which you have, like a. Like, you know, and you feel like what actually desecration means. Like, they really desecrate it. It's like, you did this horrible thing where their emotions were all over the place, and you killed them and did these horrific things, and now you're using them to laugh at 
and you know, and you have, and you, and you have like the, the the wolf's head on it, and you're really mocking the pain and all and all that. Which so, did lead to that uh, Arya scene. That oh, whoops, I dropped. Whoopsie Daisy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm ever so clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> I did like. I, I'm glad that they did the reminder of the you know Vanna Vergulis thing. You know? Yeah. And it also that also was cool that scene because it showed Arya. I mean, the second one where she actually kills the guy, yeah. because it it showed a different side of Arya. Because we haven't really seen her being like deceptive and like you know pretending to be meek. You know, even even when she was serving as the cupbearer for Tywin, you know, she couldn't really maintain that whole meek attitude. And like some of her core nature came through. But now she's like, she is just like ice cold, you know. Yeah. And that that was cool. Yeah. It was definitely cool. It's and, interesting yeah. what the like the Starks become is like they're kinda of like this dignified, like orderly people in a lot of ways, but they're like kinda of nutty. Like once they're once they're like that that whole the whole thing doesn't hold them together, they start doing a bunch of wild shit. Well they so. all have like their core of crazy wildness in Which which Starks are you thinking of that do like crazy wild shit? All of, all, all of them. Really? All of them. Yeah, they all have a whole thing. Even John, yeah, they all do like wild shit. Like, like, okay. So you think about you think about Arya, um, Ar- Arya is what's, or at least you find out their different strengths too. Like Arya, we already mentioned Arya. You know, Rob, he starts a war and is like super crazy with it. You know, you know, Bran has this whole like green seer thing. Um, <laughs> sure and does. like, and even with Arya, she's becoming like this like weird thing at the like this like assassin or whatever or something crazy. Like uh, you know, across the, the narrow sea. Yeah, she's gonna be the faceless men, and then um, uh, and then even even Sansa, Sansa like is very good. I, I defend her a lot because she she's very good with the whole like, you know, like like being like resolute, adapting to her situation. Even if she's not so smart, she has the strength. Where Pretending she, she to does, be someone else. Yes. Yeah. See, but she's that, really good. I expect at that it. from Sansa, right? That whole right. like pretending to be someone else, like hiding your true feelings and like putting on an image. You know, she's really good that, at it. That's what Sansa does. She subsumes herself entirely in this yeah. other character. Yeah, that's what's like. Yeah, that's true. Significant. It's kind of it's, yeah, it's, it's it. It is significant that the chapter title is the other person's name, just like how when Arya is also someone else too. They call her Cat of the Canals for a reason. Yeah. Because the, oh fuck, the whole thing is that they can shape shift. Ha <laughs> All the Starks can shape shift. Well, that's right, they can. And of course, the funny thing is, who is the you know who is who you know? Who, there's only one Three. living one who's lost a wolf, and that's Sansa, which is why she's the most lost. Yeah, the connection to the wolves. Yeah. Jesus. Right, Arya and is the, the whole and thing. Why Arya is the most wild? Because oh fuck, that's so cool. Well, technically, the, Rickon is the most wild. Well. The, you know, he's but the most bestial. He's. Yeah, I think, well, what's I'm the thinking, difference? I'm saying I don't mean wild in in an animalistic way. I mean wild <laughs> as in like out of control. I would I would argue that Sansa is the most lost because her wolf is dead, and Arya is the second most lost because her wolf is is separated yes. from her. You know, has right. run away. I wouldn't use the word wild, but I would say like Arya is also. You know, she's kind of lost. But she still has a connection Sansa. to Nymeria. Right. Yeah. Right. But not she's not in the same. I mean, Bran, you know, physically, geographically, is like in the middle of nowhere. But like, you know, in terms of his identity, he's not lost at all. He knows exactly who he is and where he's supposed to be, right? right. Because he's well, for the most part. Wolf. For the most part. 
but like yeah, but and that and that's and 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 that's the whole thing. And like and um, uh, I I think I think it is kind of like it is kind of crazy how like how like Sansa she still has that ability. Like it's 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 she has she has, once again a really strange ability. She just like really uh gets into it. Oh, I'm I'm really nerding out about this whole this whole thing. Remember the whole thing they were talking about about the wolf's blood? Like they mentioned that, but that, that, I didn't think realize that meant actually like sort of magical implications. But it might, which is really cool. Think about it. The remember they talk about how certain people like like there, there were a couple things. I think it was really mostly in the first book where Ned was saying how uh, his brother Brandon had the wolf's blood, and he's saying that Arya had the wolf's blood. Yeah, remember him yeah, talking about it? Yeah, but that was always. Well, no, 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 no. But it's like a magical thing. I think that's just the personality thing. No, 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 no. Targaryens, like you know, some Targaryens are crazy. So, like, you know, some stuff they're like a little bit wild. Listen, George R. R. Martin's very good at doing that whole thing where he can, he can, he can balance both something magical and both something both more literal. We're we're engaged in both stories. There's some stuff that happens that's very magical, and there's stuff that happens that's very literal, and we both care about them kind of equally, or or at different times care about them more, like. Like, so what I'm saying is I think it could be like an allegory for something, you know, it actually like without, without, even though people think when they say wolf's blood, they think they're trying to personality that sort of might be foreshadowing perhaps something where you actually learn about their connection to the wolves, like whatever that means, you know, like that's the thing. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think I have, I think I have a point. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm totally out there. I don't know. What, what connection did, did Brandon Stark or... Um, Lyanna Stark, who was the other one with the wolf's blood, right? What what connection do they have to wolves? We don't know because they're dead. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there is this. There's stuff going on there that we just don't really know about. Right. There's some. I think of the, it's I don't interesting. Know why, we don't why even are... know who who uh, Ned's mother was. I think it's interesting that of of Lord Rickard is his name Rickard or Rickon Stark? Rickard. It's Rickard, right? Yeah. Lord Rickard Stark of his three children, two of them had the wolf's blood, right? Brandon and Lyanna and Ned definitely did not have, yeah. you know, the wolf's it blood. It seemed to like skip right? a generation in about. But then, years. but then a bunch of Ned's children do, or certainly at least Arya does, and Bran. I guess you would say. Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends Bran on what you mean something. by wolf's blood. Huh. Like, if you mean like that wild trait where like they just can't conform to the norms of society and are just like you know aggressive and and violent, then pretty much it's mainly just Arya. Bran uh, was had something. He was always the climbing kid. He was always doing something weird. He was adventurous, but, yeah, but no. But they all have. Wait, we we really cannot deny that they all have this thing going on with them, Sam. Like they all have this sort of. I mean, I mean that's maybe the reason why they're the rulers of the North. But like they're that's the whole thing that they're these really. What, what do they they're, have? They're well, they're, they're all very. They're all kind of wild. The I mean, they are. The they're very. To the they, they take men. a lot of risks. Yeah. Also, think about this one. Yeah. I think um, the whole. This what about whole, Sansa? She does too. She's incredibly fiery. She does things in a different way, but she's not necessarily weak. She just I'm not saying that she's fact, weak. I'm saying that she's not wild. Wild is like the last word I would use to describe her. Okay, okay. Maybe yeah, it's the influence, influence, well, there's, it's there's the influence of her mother, I think, more so yeah. than others. But I, I think you also need to keep this in mind, which is what works for the Starks and what doesn't work. And I think that what works for the Starks is actually not this honor thing. That it's actually antithetical to, to how they work. Antithetical, really? Yeah, and I think that's why Ned failed, because he wasn't embracing his true potential. And he was that's... forcing himself to live to a standard 
that was not right for him. And I think Rob was the same way. He was doing well until he basically said, I need to live to this other standard. But Rob was living to Eddard's standard. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't really that much. But when he broke from it, it made it worse for him, though. When he broke from the honor, it made it worse for him when he when he married when he married uh, Jane. The marriage is what screwed him over. Right, no, but, but that's not a Ned thing. That's going against tradition. He's he, he's supposed to honor well, his promise. Remember, he saw it as following his father's tradition. Remember that that um, according to the the main, you know, conventional wisdom of Westeros, Eddard Stark also cheated on his wife, and um, you know, and had sex with another woman and had a child from her and did not marry the second woman right. although obviously a lot of people believe that that's not exactly what happened but that's what everyone in westeros thinks happened definitely so i'm so but but it's but it's i mean saying did the honor thing like did i don't think i don't but i really am hard pressed to believe that. that's like that's really strange to me that you would say that like it seems like honor is like a very core part yeah of the, like of i I'd be hard pressed to think that ned was the first stark to ever try to lay down the idea of honor like, oh, I, I don't think he's the first. I think the problem is when he leaves the North. Well, that's the thing. I think that's, it's clearly the... Yeah. Oh, well, that's totally different, though. I think the Starks, there's there's this clear implication that, like, the Starks belong in the North, and that's their element. You know, that's where they're successful. And when they leave the North, they're not successful. Um, you know, and that's, like, that that seems pretty clear. The one exception to that, I would say, is in, like, Robert's Rebellion, when, you know, when Ned fights on Robert's side, um, you know, we don't know how much, how much real support had from the North. Uh, there were, there were a number of people from the North, I guess, in that war, but, um, but yeah, for the most part, it seems like when, when the Starks try to go outside of the North, that's when they get into trouble. But that's totally different from honor. That's yeah. like a different thing. Okay. I mean, right, I mean, well, let's, let's just see if we have anything else to say about this episode. Cause I feel like we're already getting to a good point uh, finishing for this podcast, but we could probably have another one doing kind of like a season retrospective where we talk about the whole thing. Okay, yeah, we could do we could do another podcast and talk about the whole season. And um, if we're so, just going to wrap up this episode, I want to say that I thought yeah. it was really cool mm-hmm. um, how Jamie and um, and Cersei were able to have this like touching moment. Um, when Jamie finally comes back and she yeah. sees him and then she sees his hand and they, you know, and, right. and, and like, it's, it's really weird because, and, you know, I feel like, and this is something else that I was reading when it, one of the, um, one of the recaps, I don't remember which one saying like, it's this weird feeling. Cause like you're happy for them, but then you remember that it's gross cause they're brother and sister, but yeah. like, you know, it's, so it's like really weird and mixed and like complicated, but like kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I know that's one of the things that's amazing about, you know, these characters. And also, like, because Cersei is like so vile, and you know, but also, but she's sympathetic. Like, she was talking about the fact that, like, if not for her children, you know, she would have killed herself because she's so miserable. And like, her children are the only thing she cares about, even Joffrey. Um, and you know, and so she's even as bad as horrible a person as she is, she also has become sort of sympathetic to the point where, like, we're happy that she's reunited with her brother lover. Yeah. You know, like it's it's so weird, but it's cool. Well, well, it copies it copies how the how the books are. Um, I think the show does do that well, where you where you see the complexity of the characters in a certain sense. Not now, Tyrion doesn't isn't as we said isn't portrayed as badly as sometimes he is in the book, but in a lot of ways we do see the dichotomy of characters. You know, so 
Right, right. Seeing, definitely seeing the, the complexity from Cersei, for sure. Right. And from Jaime. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they, they retained all of the all of the complexity that Jamie has. Okay. Right. Well, I feel like we did a good coverage here. I think it sounds like what we're saying is we liked a lot of the episode, but we also had some problems with a couple points, especially that last scene. Mm-hmm. What's that? We, for, we, didn't, we never talked about John and uh, and Grit or Egrit or. Well, we did person. a little bit. I mean, I talked about how I. Th- didn't quite like the very ending and we didn't really talk that much about Bran and Sam either but I thought those were perfectly serviceable you know and you know I like the Hodor part obviously I like we talked about the Bran speech you know the Sam thing was fine I mean it seemed a little coincidental but whatever you know it doesn't really seem too weird to me you know the very ending I thought was a little cheesy but I already said that yeah I mean I don't know what you guys think about that no, I, I agree with you. I'm just, uh, I, I'm just sorry that we didn't talk about Igrit because she's one of my favorite characters and I love talking about her at every opportunity. Well, we thought that maybe she would die in this episode. But we I thought guess so. But they, I happen. guess they wanted to keep her around a little bit longer, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, well, there you go. I guess they will. They heard you, Sam. And, and I, was, I was happy that she shot I mean, like... Yeah, that was good. That, was that good. sounds like it, it really worked. You know, she was. I know you're not gonna like, hurt me. Pissed off. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like, I know you're not gonna shoot me, and then she shoots him. Uh, <laughs> well, she said, you know nothing. Yeah. 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 Uh, that line. Yeah. Sayeth what? All right. So let's sign off for now, and we'll reconvene later. Talk about the season as a whole. Maybe we can try to get uh, John on at some point to discuss things from what I think a lot of people are calling the unsullied perspective. Yes. Which, Yes. I don't know if you've heard that, Ben. I like it. I a like lot of people have been calling the book reader, the non-book readers, the unsullied. I love it. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I know it's pretty great. <laughs> all right, so we'll see what we can do, and I think that's all for now, right? right. Nerd you later. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.